for your rendition of our theme and welcome to episode 28 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast where we talk about the best Australian comedy show of the 90s ever made, The Late Show and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt and joining this podcast today is Alison Daniel, Kim and Prue. And we have a very special guest reviewer, the Bazura Project's Shannon Marinko. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Letting me pollute your earnest fandom with my crass commercialness. Oh, we love it. I've, I've got something to plug. That's the only reason I'm here. No, it's not. I love I love what you do. I love your work. This is this is a great thrill for me. I'm very happy to be here. Do you know what? Any anyone who comes in costume, which you have done tonight, definitely deserves their place on the panel. Thank you. Thank you. This is the only time where I wish that this podcast was visual because do you want to describe what you were wearing on the <laughs> webcam as soon as we hopped on? Well, I'll tell you, maybe I'll leave it uh, for a few weeks because this is my uh, Halloween costume this year. Oh. So I may, uh, I'll post something to the uh, Champagne Comedy uh, Facebook page yep. uh, on Halloween. Okay. And we'll see what I rolled up in today. Oh, yeah. there we go. There's some sizzle. Mm. <laughs> It'll be well worth the wait, people. Yeah. No, we'll <laughs> yeah let's build it up unreasonably. <laughs> yeah, yes, everyone. He's wearing Bart Simpson underpants. And nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Is that it involves wigs? Speaking of shoddy stuff, uh, <laughs> you want to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, I'm bagging out something which is actually higher quality than our podcast because I've already had to listen to it. Do you want to introduce what I'm about to play to you? This press release in front of me that I totally didn't write uh, <laughs> says that apparently before the Bazura Project was a television program that nobody watched, it was actually a radio program that no one listened to. Mmm, twist. And somebody, definitely not me, has found these very old and totally, totally real audio tapes and now they're going to air every week for six weeks, starting two weeks ago. And it's called the Bazura Project's Radio Free Cinema. And it's a, uh, it's a purely comedic series. It's all sketches sort of set within the broader world of film. And it features a grand Budapest hotel style lineup of Australian comedy talent plus me. <laughs> And there's been, we've had two episodes already and there's four more to go. It's on, it's on the Apple Music. It's on the Spotify. If you go to bazooproject.com slash Radio Free Cinema, you'll find it all there. Uh, so let's, let's have a listen to the trailer. Mm. It was the TV show about movies that changed oh. the way we saw TV shows about movies. Hello and welcome to the Bazura Project and our guide to cinema. But what most people didn't know was the TV show they weren't watching was also a radio show they weren't listening to. Hello and welcome to the Bazura Project's Radio Free Cinema. A big shout out to the good people of the Silver Screen Drive-In who are currently trying to listen to a Star Trek double feature on the same frequency we are currently broadcasting on. Now, the audio tapes that many believed and hoped were lost forever have been uncovered, digitised and restored and are ready to be heard again 
for the first time. What do we have coming up on the show? We uncover the worldwide scam behind aspect ratios and how it's all a plot by Hollywood to push their elitist pro-rectangle agenda. This October, over six thrilling episodes, The Bazura Project's Radio Free Cinema. Featuring interviews with the film industry's most influential figures. Is it true you slept on Margot Robbie's couch? I did. Although I obviously had to stop when she came home and called the police. But aren't all Australian films just (laughs) grimy dramas about drug addicts? Yeah, and that's the exact type of ignorance we've been trying to fight at Coked Up Productions. Exclusive (laughs) trailers for the most exciting upcoming releases. You didn't get the annulment? It turns out I love you. What? And every aspect of movie making explored from every corner of the globe. I've come to the Isle of Glyph in the middle of the Baltic Sea. This was the location chosen for the world's most prestigious accent and voice coaching academy, Tamba Heard. Plus original songs, exciting competitions and exclusive access to the biggest film premieres. Well, the film has finished and it sounded great. I can promise you, had anyone been unable to get inside the theatre and been forced to spend the last 90 minutes standing out in the foyer, well, they would have heard a lot of laughter and applause coming through the doors. Coming soon, the TV show about movies is now a radio show released as a podcast. The Bazura Project's Radio Free Cinema, a six-part series beginning October 5. I probably should have uh, rewritten that uh, press release. I didn't know Pete was going to do it word for word. <laughs> oh, well. Um, Shannon, just your history of being a Late Show fan, were you watching this live every week or did you record it or did you just watch it occasionally? Or were you Oh, well, it? I mean, compared to sort of yourselves and a lot of your listeners, I reckon, I'm probably comparatively a bit of a Johnny-come-lately uh, to the Late Show. I reckon I would have seen less than five episodes live of season one. It just, it, season one did not register for me for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but season two, yeah, 1993, mm-hmm. I was in year 12. I was all over it. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I remember regularly watching because I was one of those students who always did the homework at the very last minute before Monday, watching the repeat on Sunday nights. And it was, it was Sunday nights from the week before, wasn't it? Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Sand- yeah. Sandwich, sandwich in between Compass and the Tracy Ullman show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I remember watching the Sunday nights quite a lot. Um, yeah, but season one, yeah, season one, not at all. I just, yeah, I, I very rarely caught it. But, yeah, from season two onwards, yeah, I've been a um, yeah a massive fan. It's been a massive influence on, I, I hesitate to say career, because that would imply employment of some kind, and that's been quite foreign uh, to me. But a, a massive influence, definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah to, be, to, to, to be fair, most of the, the Bazooka project has been charity work, really. Oh, <laughs> you should see how much debt I went into for that fucking show, <laughs> especially the uh, the uh, community TV show. But yes, yes. Um... <laughs> And here's a novelty one. It's such a, a cool thing to get this requested and to put it together. Listener Leonard wants to hear good old competition further guy and <laughs> take on uh, a Melbourne, or I'm not from Melbourne, I'm not from Victoria, uh, Franco Cuzzo. Cuzzo? Cuzzo. Cuzzo. Oh, 
Yeah, well, he kind of wanted to hear the two of them have a one-on-one -on -one together. So this is the result. Grand style, grand style, grand style. I don't know. Where? I think uh, In Brunswick and Futsal. Well, Franco Cozzo. Have the pleasure to present to you Il Modernissimo. What do you think? They are going on competition and further? Bedroom suites, dining room, and wonderful lounge. Why don't you come for yourself and have a look? This is magnifical. Okay, going on competition further? Il Modernissimo. <laughs> Only can found from Franco Cozzo. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Seriously, you put a drum beat under that and you could release that as like a 12 inch. That's just, that will bring the house down. That's fantastic. The mashup we didn't know we needed. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I knew I needed that. <laughs> also, uh, and if you were a, a fan or listening to season one, of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, we were having our, our Piss Week prize pack, which we just kept adding on more and more to it. And one of the big items that were on there that we always claimed, which is the best part of the whole package, was uh, any questions for Ben DVD, an unopened one. <laughs> so, and we claimed that it was having, you know, gold, like this is the moment because it was a discontinued line. Or well, I saw last week the DVD itself back in stock at the JB Hi-Fi yeah. shell yeah. for a... Like a lousy five bucks! So, <laughs> for your stocking fillers, so there you go. So I, I do mm. apologise. I think it was to Daniel Hopman's. That item is now worth... Like a lousy five bucks! <laughs> Are you sure he didn't try and re return it and actually yeah. put that on the shelf? <laughs> It's you know neither here nor there, but there is another podcast that's out there that's uh, that covers Hey Hey It's Saturday, which is Hey Hey It's the podcast, and it's a fantastic podcast to have a listen to, which they review episodes of Hey Hey. Now, while we had the Hey Hey It's Fifty Years on recently, Jane Kennedy featured on it, talking about her time. Oh. Yeah, um, when she appeared as a dressed up as Dem Demis Roussos. Back in 1979. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so uh, I just want to point out this little snippet here, which while the DGen Working Dog team did pop up on Hey Hey uh, over the various years, this one, which I was going to save until the very final episode, but it's when Rob actually appeared on Hey Hey on Red Faces. From the very popular late show on Channel 2, Rob Sitch. I'm just not stepping on your applause, Rob. <laughs> so it is Channel 9 next year, Rob. <laughs> now, now it's nice. To, I've wanted to do this for a while. It's nice, it's nice to have you in. Is the fact that you've got two gigs on in the one night going to stress you out? No, no, no. I'm uh, perfectly relaxed for later on tonight. Excellent. In uh, a few hours. And I can't help notice you have something. Holding up his video of The Late Show, the highlights of The Late Show. It's a uh, tape that goes out for $24.95 and it's available now and it features all the best bits of The Late Show. Five minutes in all. No, how long? Is it 60? About three and a half. Daryl. Three and a half Darryl. minutes or hour. It's 90 minutes, Daryl. It's, it's, uh, it's moderate value. Oh, Daryl, just drive by. <laughs> <laughs> but that was leading up into a few hours later on. That's when they did the final episode of The Late Show. Not really knowing that that would be the final episode. Psst, they recorded Hey Hey on a Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ruin the illusion. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, well, he was wearing his skivvy, so it didn't match up with that <laughs> night. 
But when is he not though? Let's let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the thing the thing you can't see in, in that clip is that the guy sitting in between Rob in his skivvy and um, Red Simons uh, is uh, Tim Capello, who was in the Lost Boys, and like oh, the, what, who in the, the Lost what, Boys? Like the thing is wearing it looked like some sort of a weird sort of a topless leather kind of getup. What? Yeah, yeah. he's not the saxophone player. Well, is he? <laughs> if you, I think it is. Oh, I've got to look that up right I, now. I, 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 <laughs> oh my I, god, I don't know the, the Lost Boys that intimately, but um, yeah, it just looks so out there. Um, seeing, uh, seeing him sitting in between um, two relatively normal gentlemen. <laughs> if you do want to see the clip, we do have it kind of hosted on the Champagne Comedy Podcast Facebook group page, which is set to private, so... This is good sizzle for the podcast uh, Facebook group, though. <laughs> it's yeah. interactive. It's all synergy. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, it's Traction cut yeah. through, you name it. So if yeah. you go, if you look up Champagne Comedy Podcast Facebook group, uh, answer the three shoddy questions on there, and then you're pretty much a shoe in. It's only the questions are up there just to keep out the spam. I'm going a bit old school. I've, I've put up the, the Red Faces clip on my phone so I can hold it up to the camera where it's the camera so, oh, the- that is the saxophone guy oh my word oh, what is he doing on hey it's saturday that is bizarre that's world colliding especially, especially with the uh, red uh, in his suit and tie and um yeah rob sitch uh, going all skivvies are back and yeah uh Tim, that's what Tim's that's like a- his costume on the on, in the film that's Oh. See, I, I don't, I, I don't think you would be able to notice him unless he was wearing what he was wearing in the Lost Boys. That's that's <laughs> phenomenal. I, I, oh, they, yeah, I'm, my mind is uh, blown about that. That's amazing. That's fantastic. <laughs> I've got the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel G and his program guide. Up against uh, season two, uh, episode eight uh, on Channel Seven, we've got the film Over the Top. Uh, says Ross Warnicky. Uh, it's a sentimental beefcake movie made in 1987 uh, with Sly Stallone as an unwrestler come trucky getting to know his teenage son, played by David Mendenhall, after years away from the family. Uh, over on Channel 9, uh, Hey Hey It's Saturday uh, included uh, special guests uh, Nathan Cavallari and uh, Joe Beth Taylor, mm. uh, as well as uh, performances by uh, Southern Sons, Rob Guest by Satellite at the Theatre Royal for uh, Phantom of the Opera. Then after that at 8.30, we've got the cricket. England v Australia delayed coverage of the first session of the third day's play in the fourth test. Uh, now, if it had been rained out, uh, we would have seen the movie She Devil, starring Roseanne Barr and Meryl wow. Streep. Oh, there's have a combination. You, Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr, serial. That's amazing. They had different trajectories. <laughs> um, over on Channel 10, we've got another BL Striker telemovie. BL Striker was um, a series of telemovies sort of in the style of Columbo. It was sort of like an intermittent series, but like movie-length episodes uh, starring Burt Reynolds as the titular character. Um, so it's season two, episode eight, titled Winner Takes All. Um, Warnicky just says that um, Private Eye Striker gets involved in gridiron and murder. Um, I assume in that order. <laughs> Over on SBS, the 9.30 movie is Yesterday, Today and Tomorrow. Says Warnicky, this raunchy 1963 Italian trilogy directed by Vittorio De Sica and starring Sofia Loren and Marcello Mastroianni won the Oscar for Best Foreign Film. Heaven knows why. Oh. Supposedly comic, none of the three stories are very funny. 
Oh, God, Warnicky. And last of all, uh, on the ABC, uh, the program before um, the late show was the Birds of the Feather. What season two episode. <laughs> Sonic, <laughs> Sonic oh. Trigger, yeah. Oh. Uh, it's season two, episode five, titled Keep Off the Grass. Uh, that's grass <laughs> as in uh, grassing on someone. <laughs> because Sharon of and course Tracy it's called see... Keep Off the Grass. Because oh. uh, uh, Char- Sharon and Tracy see someone they know commit a crime. And uh, Dorian, she's uh, she's still a bit of a dirty cow. <laughs> yeah, she's not eating any grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, late show at 10 o'clock, Warnicky just listed as being satire and sketch comedy from Melbourne's DJ. Uh, and then after the late show at 11 o'clock uh, is a movie loosely based on Phantom of the Opera. Now, um, it turns out that the ABC showed Phantom of the Opera from, oh, I don't have a list here, but it was 1940-something. They showed that on the Friday night. And uh, late on this Saturday night, they're showing a movie called Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, oh yes. I've I've seen this film. Yes. So uh, this is a cult says, classic. Now, yes. yes. Now, when uh, Shannon, when somebody says something is a cult classic, <laughs> does that bristle you? Because any time I hear somebody saying cult classic, I just think of that as being like a euphemism for not very good, not very popular, flop. Yes, yeah, what, not, what well re- not well received, uh, yes, when first released, but I was in it, so now it's a cult classic. I see, yeah, I, I'm with you uh, part of the way on that argument because, yes, it's, I see a lot of interviews with, uh, you know, they do like a 20th, 30th, 40th anniversary of whatever film has been, you know, released, and they, oh, it's become a cult classic on DVD. No, piss off. No, absolutely not. Most of these people who are being interviewed, absolutely not. But Phantom of the Paradise... Definitely is a cult classic, no question. Directed by Brian De Palma with songs by Paul Williams. <laughs> it's yeah. Oh, it's no, it's a cracker. It's um, no, it's it's a it's a mess. It's a giant. It's a clusterfuck of just of, of stuff of just stuff. Um, but it's great. Uh, yeah, and, and I would definitely it's, call it's that cult. Some, it's meant to be a satire on the music industry, basically, isn't it? And it, yeah. it sort of doesn't quite work out as, as you say <laughs> <laughs> you're much more diplomatic about it than me yes. if you're... It's, 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 it's apparently based on Phantom of the Opera and sort of loosely based on a few other stories as well um, uh, both, uh, both Shannon and Alison have sort of uh, covered off on, on most of the points there yeah it's, it's a rock music remake and um, yeah stars Paul Williams uh, Ross Warnicke says that it's not for all tastes, uh, but uh, has to appeal as a satire on the rock industry. And, yeah, basically that and the proper Phantom of the Opera Lab are being played on TV because musical opens in Sydney um, the night of this airing, in fact. With Rob so, Guest. Yeah, that, so there's a lot of phantom mania going on. Mm. So after Phantom of the Paradise, uh, you can fall asleep to the Australia Television International News. And uh, if you're still awake at one o'clock, you can watch Rage uh, featuring uh, music videos from U2 uh, who uh, have released... That'll uh, send you to Zoo- sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, they've just released or are about to release, I think, Zuropa. Ah, mm. oh, shit. Yeah, that'll definitely send you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, very packed TV guide then. Uh, let's get into the episode proper. Cool. 
Thank you very much, Daniel. All right, let's get into it with uh, reviewing Season 2, Episode 8 of The Late Show, broadcast Saturday, July 24th, 1993. We wish to advise that the following edition of The Late Show is rated M and contains adult humour. We apologise for that previous announcement, but The Late Show contains absolutely no adult humour. See? There they go again. Got to get a fart joke in. Oh, all right. So we've got sharp edge satire. Um, okay, here we go. Flimsy anecdotal connection to this episode number one. I've got a few to get through. Okay, so I was at film school in 1997, and myself and a couple of friends uh, made a film. Funnily enough, and because we were, and we still are you know, film school dreamer types. We wanted to put a sort of a film production logo thing at the end of the film we made, which was shot on like SVHS. That was like high end for film school in 1997. So does anyone, I'm speaking to the right crowd here. Does everyone remember the Stephen J. Cannell or Cannell production company logo? Yeah, Stephen Stephen J. Cannell. Yeah, you probably remember the music at the very least. It's it's a live action uh, shot thing. Is it is it Stephen himself in, in the the vanity cap? Yes, it is Stephen, and he's got a beard, and he's sitting at, like at his desk at a typewriter, and he's typing away, and the camera sort of comes around him, and then he rips out the page of the typewriter, and the the, yeah. the page sort of floats down, and it makes the logo. He produced some big '80s shows. He did like A Team. Mm. Greatest American Hero. He did Riptide. Remember Riptide? I loved Riptide. Yeah. I used to genuinely love that show. That was fantastic. And Hunter. I used to love Hunter. So I remember that. We, we thought that'd be a fun thing to do for our, you know, our fake logo. Uh, but there were three of us in the group. So we took that music and we thought we'd do our version of it. That was our production company like, <laughs> in 1997. That's from my, yes, my SVHS uh, film school film. Uh, shit, how many years ago is that now? God almighty, 2025, 20, God, And that was directly yeah. inspired by the, the late show sketch. That so certainly was. That, all, yeah. that, that part of it, yes, absolutely. That's fantastic. Uh, you're not the yeah. only type of person who will do such a thing. You should see what Kim and her friend are. Yes, so my friend Kaneo and I went around and, uh, well, we did a number of things. One of them was just reciting the opening sketch of uh, Mick and Tony and just recording it for our own benefit downstairs That's with the door cool. closed because it was embarrassing if anyone else in the house heard. We also <laughs> did our own street interviews and asked people at the uh, Athletics Carnival back in 1993 whether they watched The Late Show, and if they didn't, then... We just looked down on them and just said, no, nope, no, nope. <laughs> no good. <laughs> you watch, some of them watched Full Frontal and it's just like, no, no. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That but there were, some, there were some other, you know, you'd go around and you'd ask people because we didn't do any of the sports at the Athletic Carnival, so we asked them if they watched The Late Show and then all of a sudden people would say quotes like, oh, like a tiger, and you just knew that this was a, a you know, 
the DJs. They were your people. Really they were your big. people. Yeah, that's right. After the opening titles, we got the opening remarks with our regulars Tony and Mick on stage, claiming that the Late Show is the best program ever. Well, duh. But mainly because, uh, well, ever since the early episodes of Hooperman. Anyway, that goes on for a while. It's a one-minute <laughs> theme of uh, John Ritter's police drama, I guess. I've never really heard or spoken about that one would that, before. Would that have been an obscure reference even in 93? Oh, yeah. Like John Ritter. Well, <laughs> that's not the first time that, that Tony has mentioned John Ritter before because wasn't it in season one where if they had other movies on at the same time, you know, just to show that they were live. And they flicked over, the, I think it was Channel 9 or whatever, or Channel 7, it was a John Ritter film. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. See, that's obscure. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, as they were doing that, they got interrupted by a whole bunch of people doing the whole Mick Malloy jumping around in their underwear. But no box Bart Simpson jocks, though. No, lots of boxer shorts. They're really running this moment into the ground, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just... well, well, no, well, see, last episode they had a person invade the stage for real. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like that like that was ine- inevitable, and I suppose it would be inevitable that they would try and take it to even sillier extremes. Um, yeah, as we'll see. Yeah. Like yes. a reply. <laughs> but after very convincing technical difficulties... GP, got <laughs> Why did I have to sound bite, Daniel? You could have just easily done that. Brilliant. It's like, it's like Tony Martin doing the, the, the tube, it's uh, the mother and son thing. <laughs> Although I've, I've, got, I've got to say, that's about 40 interminable seconds of opening titles that get played there. Yeah, it's a bit long. <laughs> Well, That's they've, it. Got, they've think... got to make it seem real, though, don't they? Yeah, true. And, true and, because you know, oh, what, what happens next? We we arrive at the the set of GP, and there's Tony Llewellyn Jones, one of the actors in GP, talking to someone. They they're having a conversation, and then suddenly we have the stampede of the men in the underpants again. Very attractive <laughs> men in underpants. Can we just say? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Some twig and berries right there, as well as <laughs> after another technical difficulty, those twig and berries go on the standby standby program with Gabriel Gattay, What's Cooking? More guys in underpants uh, around a, a very uh, annoyed-looking Gabriel Gattay. Sacre bleu. Yeah. yeah. This, is a, this is a lot of work to go to for Mick and Tony not to do, like, you know, what, two, two three minutes of stand-up. Why, did, why do you think they chose to do this? This is... It's a lot of work, and they yeah, they played the whole bloody GP opening. It's like, are they were they really running short this episode? It's like, I mean, I you just think write of reply, like the episode before when the guy crashes their show. Yeah, and you can sort of see the horror on their face. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I think it's just to pull back a bit of power, make claim it as their own a bit. Yeah. It just feels like let's just go to town on this issue. And uh, have the final word. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're claiming it back, but, but 
They're mm. also trying to kill it off, and and they they kill it yeah. off yeah. again in, in a subsequent episode. But they really want to just drive it into the ground so that they can move on. <laughs> and uh, all all that all that time wasted on the on the, the GP theme tune is also covered for the excellent um, uh, uh, staging work uh, for when we do come back to the studio. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The sets on yeah. fire. You yeah. know, <laughs> everything's in tatters. You know, it, it's it's great. It, it's, it, I love this. It's a, it's a great piece of um, piece of work. This sequence. And now it's over to the news desk with Tommy G. I'm just going to skip all those little bullet point intros, those little story headlines, right? Because there wasn't no, that come really... on. Even even the footage oh. of John Major looking into his little red suitcase and the, yeah. the joke being crisis for John Major as wife. He gets to pack his lunch. <laughs> yeah. so you can say it better than i can don't forget their kentucky bus yeah like a very light joke being made out of yeah some sort of piece of actuality of, of a, a bus getting attacked yeah i i assume that must have been in bali i think that, that japanese bodybuilders uh, stock footage <laughs> seriously that is so specific i thought they only had access to like not a lot of stock footage every week that is so specific where the hell did he find that that's amazing yeah, so, yeah that that's yeah. the selection process for the next japanese prime minister is this yeah. bodybuilding competition oh, i think it's a great gag and it, oh but where did he get that footage that's just amazing yeah that's incredible <laughs> But that nerdy uh, story in regards to Bill Clinton uh, choosing the head of FBI, and after that, the description <laughs> throws to uh, TV's Columbo. You got to admit yeah. that that was a quick little, quick rapid yeah. fire joke. And yeah. that's nice. Did anyone know which episode that is from? I don't. Oh, <laughs> oh Kim, I thought you were going to blow our heads off. Oh my god, that would have been really impressive. That would have been um, extreme pedantry. Extreme pedantry, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but one I second, was, but I'm sure I, there are some diehard fans that would know. Yes, yeah. right in. Yeah, right, right in, yeah. and don't I'm tell us. <laughs> I, I was I was too distracted by uh, President Clinton using the phrase "ramrod straight." <laughs> they ramrod straight and throw a against the mob. Yeah, and then comes that awful story of the whole "don't ask, don't tell" policy. Mm. Yeah. yeah, which was which was revealed and then went went into law um, oh. early in 1994, and then got re- repealed um, just over 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. wow! You can see that in the Navy joke coming a mile off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like army air yeah. force it's like oh i wonder what's coming <laughs> <laughs> but this one i'm mainly here for and that is the the classic fantastic john hewson challenging the prime minister got my pencil out <laughs> <laughs> this, this is definitely this is like top three rob impressions for me i think this is this is i just love this i think it's so desperately pathetic <laughs> just where, where when tommy calls him on you know no one thinks you're strong or whatever and the pauses he yeah. takes are, are really whoa, whoa. long well I, I am yeah oh it's <laughs> that's hard to do oh, especially yeah. on live tv the, the pause mm. that long and it it's, oh jeez it works like, it's, it's, it works it's so the rock good. stitch impressions version of the notes he doesn't play yeah, I can do that at home. It's yeah. the notes he doesn't play. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's no. I think this is gangbusters. This one and fop, fop, fop. If, yeah. if you had to write, 
If you had to write a word that describes a wet newspaper fight, I think "fop" is the is the absolute perfect word. No, I I love it. And I, I challenge the prime minister. I used I remember saying that quite a lot in Year Twelve. I was, yeah, I, I challenge yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Late yeah. show fan code, like it's like the mm. Masonic handshake. That's right. Then I go fop, fop, fop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is and a then I take a chocolate royal and I go, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one's brilliant. I love it. The, the quality of the performance in this and the and the script writing is so good that you don't you don't even notice that it looks like the makeup's falling off his face. Oh, because yeah, it it looks like looks like the, the chin is literally taped on and then cut. You can It is so bad. Uh, it is so bad. And I don't care about any of that because I'm too busy laughing at the fop yeah. and the chocolate royal yeah. and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. And yet pretty much every time that there's a leadership spill, and gee, don't there seem to be a fair few of those recently. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> This this meme, you know, I challenge the 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 prime minister always comes out online. <laughs> yeah. After that, there was that little quick story, mainly visual one, about the two British girls jailed in Thailand, kind of like a early uh, Chappelle Corby, I guess, in a way, but it was heroin instead of pot. Um, there was that product recall, which. It's fantastic. Now, this was in 1993, so please remember this. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, this they story. sell ruffles nowadays? I don't think so. No, 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 no more ruffles. Ruffles are gone. But mm. this... Barley. Uh, it's... <laughs> Barley <laughs> <of> ruffles. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, the product recall of potato chips drew the shards of light bulb glass, and this is where... Tommy G shined. We've got some of the affected packets here. They're Ruffles Plain, Salt and Vinegar, and new ground glass variety there. <laughs> Obviously, light chips. <laughs> Slow burn on that joke there. <laughs> and somebody had to mock up a Ruffles uh, a packet with a, you know, a light shining inside it and put <laughs> ground glass over the actual packet and all that for that shitty, shitty joke. I tell you what, <laughs> Alf, Camilleri, Alf Camilleri was very busy this episode. There are a lot of very specific props going on, which yeah. I guess we'll get to later on. But, yeah, that, that was the first of many. Keep an eye mm. on the props, everybody. Yes. And then you've got the mice plague in South Australian Victoria, and so <laughs> the farmers are desperate. They use ruffles. That you, Yeah, that, that deserves a... Much better joke. Great yeah. callback. Yeah. yeah, great callback. Is it a callback if it's one joke immediately after the other joke? Is that? Let's say yes. Yeah. With, so with, I look with, with nothing in between. It's the snowball effect. Yes. <laughs> snowball. That's good. I might skip this one because that's quite tasteless, really. The German soldier one in Somalia. It's it's an excuse to to play some Nazi rally footage that I think we've seen on the show previously. Yeah. And, and like you can you you can all make the joke you know, connection in your heads already those who haven't seen it, I'm sure. Well, yeah, simply yeah. German soldiers, Somalia peacekeeping, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Nazi footage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I really think they were struggling for material this episode. I think, uh, well, yeah, we'll get to it as we go through, but oh, there's some really thin stuff. It's like, why on earth did you put this on the air? It's shit. You must have been struggling. Well, here's, here's the thing. Now, the next bit, which is coming up, is Warwick and Joanne oh. Kappa back together for Penthouse. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now, because it's Rob as Warwick Kappa. Now, well, which one was 
Warwick, yeah. Warwick. Here's a snippet of um, them explaining their photo shoot. This is of us having a pash. Mm-hmm. And this is of us drinking champagne. And this is of us having sex. sex. Oh, this is not a good one. We've got our clothes on. Mm. And what's happening here is that Joanne is fitting me for a new pair of shorts. Mm. <laughs> But the thing that that's I, not all she's doing. Then, <laughs> the, the thing is, I think Rob was doing this one wrong because of Warwick Kappa spoke quickly. But I think maybe back then he wasn't as quick, or he was quite reserved. I think he was just trying to make out that he was slow, just generally in right, the well, other way. I now feel slow. <laughs> I, I think the, the funniest thing about this is the actual quote from the article. Joanne, mm. there are a lot of horrible things happening in the world and we are showing love. So I think what we have done is fine. Love is beautiful, adds Warwick 29. <laughs> 29, my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's profound for the, the a 29 comedy year old. writes itself. The comedy <laughs> really does write itself. <laughs> yeah, so the joke after that is that is his IQ, not his age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn. That, that dressing gown on Rob is getting very short as well. That's, uh, yeah, it's right up there. He's yeah. leaning very far back and it's like oh, yeah. almost. Yeah. And the, the whole Rob and Jane thing is probably yeah. happening around this time. So that could be their genuine clothes. <laughs> whoa, whoa. It, it's, it's also Bombshell. Bombshell. I, I, do you know what I was thinking? I was thinking this is like the pilot for Bob and Blanche when they were in their dressing oh, house. Oh, <laughs> my God. Maybe this is the inspiration for that. This is the I, shame. I imagine so. <laughs> it's now a porn podcast. <laughs> well, on. if you look up, some of those uh, Warwick, Warwick Joanne Kappa pictures are on the interwebs. If you look them up, uh, they're not, you know, like fully explicit, but they're very, uh, you know, yeah, that's suggestive, let's say. Yeah, it's uh, they're not shy, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you get to see Warwick's bum. Well, yeah, there we go. How long did their relationship last? Because they'd already broken up and then they got back together and they'd done this photo shoot. I'm sure not just for the money, right? And yeah. how long did their relationship last afterwards? Does anyone know? Does anyone care? <laughs> Not really, no. but I was just wondering. Yeah. Oh. oh, fun times. Yeah, whatever happened to Joanne? Yeah, I mean, Warwick Cap is still around, is still, you know, trying to be relevant. Um, but uh, Joanne, what happened to Joanne? Yeah, that's a good question. Write in and tell us. Yes, write in. <laughs> <laughs> write in and tell us. Send an actual letter. Yeah, it's a PO box nine 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 four. Yeah, Richmond, Victoria. <laughs> we have a commercial. Rosella introduces chicken tonight simmer sauces, and suddenly everybody's saying, "I feel like chicken tonight, like chicken tonight." Mom, can we have chicken tonight tomorrow? Chicken tonight. Well, that was the actual teaser from the original is, commercial. Oh. Yeah, one of those ads that just sticks in your brain. <laughs> Decades later. Well, here's the parody. Mum, we have tickets tonight. That kid is fair thinking pitch perfect. He, the Tomolo, oh, yeah. the, the piss weak kid. Oh, this, I, I didn't see this coming when I first saw it. It's like, 
This I reckon this is this still holds up. I think this is so good. This yeah. parody because it's like, where does Dickhead come from? It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, this is really good. I really like it. Well, they don't. They didn't have to do much to to take the piss out of the the real ad, really, because. Mm. Yeah, it was all about, uh, yeah, dancing like a chicken and looking like a dickhead. Oh, I hope when one of them came up with this concept, I think we should call it Dickhead Tonight, that they all just high-fived and had the afternoon. so legendary. And yeah, then all yeah. they needed to do was just practice the most ridiculous fucking chicken wing dance that they can come up with. And when it's finished and it comes back to Tony Martin and he's gone, the businessman. And I'm like, yes, Tony, because that was award-winning performance. (laughs) (laughs) That and and Mick, the construction worker Mick was also classic. That was the one that we all... I'm I'm very fond of... I'm very fond of Jesus' sarcastic face as the cleaner yeah. with, with the with the businessman, <laughs> just sort of going to that that kind of shaking of the head that she does. She, yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, my, my, my only disappointment is that Santo and Tom seem to be the odd ones out in this whole thing. I couldn't spot them anywhere at all. Yeah, I was going to say that Chicken Tonight was a centerpiece in a lot of low budget family meals in the nineties for my family. The yes. amount of times I had chicken drumsticks from the Coles Deli from Mum's work and, <laughs> and oh, apricot <laughs> chicken. Just I tried every single flavour. So oh. yeah, well, that's because you kept asking you to have it the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I would get your sodium level checked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's song parody time, and it is Peter Andre with "It's a Repetitious Song Girl" as Jason Stevens as Peter. It's a me being where I'm located on the Gold Coast, Peter Andre is royalty. I was just going to say, out of all the songs that they've parodied, this is probably one of the ones that they just keep playing on the radio, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's because he grew up on the Goldie. He went to a couple of yeah. uh, people that I work with actually went to high school with him. In, in oh, fact, wow. I tried to use that connection to try and reach out to him uh, to <laughs> get a grab. And, yeah, no response. Apparently, yeah. you know, uh, we're not good enough for him. Oh, Alison should have tried. Yeah, Alison, you're closer to him. Does he? I I was going to say, does he still live in the UK? Because for obviously for a time he was married to Katie Price, aka Jordan, the glamour model. And yeah, does he still live in this country? I have He's no idea because ah. haven't heard anything about Peter Andre for years. Well, he does a lot of stuff on YouTube now and Instagram. So, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So he's he's living in a one bedroom sort of apartment, <laughs> in, probably in the same area of London that I live in because it's affordable. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I I really did try to reach out to him, and um, yeah, oh. I. I got the Cameron daddoed. So, <laughs> just complete you know, silence. Been daddoed. Oh, yeah, I got daddoed. Yay. All right. This, I reckon now, this parody should be better than it is. Well, I he, think. I think, the, I think the parody is pretty oh. good. 
but it's I a think repetitious some... parody girl, you know. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's, it yeah. goes on and on and on. Unfortunately, some... I reckon they yeah. they should have just done like one one chorus, one verse, and then got out of there. I think. Yeah, it's like it, mm. they didn't have enough time to shoot it or something. I mean, it's like they threw it together really fast, and they had like one take of everything, and then they got back because there's like dance moves that are just not in sync. Like someone, Jace is doing something and the and Jane and the other guy are doing something totally different. It's like they didn't have any choice but to use whatever footage they got and to just put it in. It's like, yeah, it's it's In- it's Including strange, a brief shot one. of Alf Camilleri. You see yeah, Alf was busy yeah. this episode. I'm telling you, yeah. <laughs> Alf was everywhere this it episode. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Looking, but, looking very unimpressed under that stash as well. Yes. It's strange because the shots are too tight. So there's like um, a whole bunch of them at some life-saving club down in Elstonwickle. I don't know where it is, but it's just a yeah, shot. It was an ambitious attempt at making Wintry even look like uh, the Gold Coast, wasn't it? Yeah, but like, yeah, it's so much brick wall and like daggy, you know, beach bench that it just doesn't... <laughs> Wait, maybe well... waves and some sand? I don't know. Like, it's just, I don't know. I hated it. I hated it. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It. You actually hate strong it. Words. Oh, yeah. wow. What about Jason's washboard or drawn on abs? I think it's really, I think it's weak, but I, I, you hated it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's well, what about, hang on, hang on. What about the bit where the, the saxophonist tries to run him down and he has to run away? That, that's, that's kind of fun, isn't it? And then he goes, quit like this. That, that's quite good. Maybe. Okay. No, Bruce had it. Oh my God. Well, okay. flimsy anecdotal connection to this episode number two. Here we go. Watching this, I got I got a feeling, I got a bit of an inkling that I I knew where this was shot. So I did a quick drive by. It was in my radius, and I took some photos. Oh, here we go. Oh, I reckon, I reckon it's Como Park, and for Melburnians, Ooh. it's sort of where Alexandra Avenue, which runs alongside the Yarra, meets Williams Road in South Yarra. So I reckon. It's yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of near where behind where Channel Ten is now. Not that that's relevant to Late Show, but yeah, I reckon could be. Yeah, I reckon it's at the Como Park where they shot it. Yeah, I had I had a bit of an inkling. Yeah, and the other one is the Esplanade. There's a little bridge. Yeah, there we go. Ah. Ah. So obviously they've had to put the ramp in, you know, for. Uh, uh, Reasons, yeah, there and... might be laws for that in 1993. Yeah, yeah, so they don't give a shit about that in 1993, but yeah, I reckon that's I reckon that's it. That's that's that pretty close, pretty good. Hey, look, the bins are still yeah. there, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No like Como Park, go and pay homage. I didn't see yeah. the uh quit in blue spray paint on the wall anywhere, but um, <laughs> no, no, not there. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm just zooming but... in and out. <laughs> Yeah, I reckon that's it. Oh, that's a really good find, Shannon. And and especially yeah, the uh, the shot. I didn't I didn't uh, get a photo of this, but the shot of Alf, um, which is very very quick in the clip. It's looking down at the uh, there's an oval, like a footy oval, cricket oval behind him, and there's quite a steep embankment before you get to the ground. And I think that's the way. But anyway, something for those at home to play along. Off you go. Yeah, check that out. Como <laughs> Park. Yeah. Go through frame by frame on your VHS. Please do. (laughs) (laughs) Will not be a wasted afternoon. (laughs) We'll share those images too on Twitter and Facebook. So um, everything that you've supplied, we will share it. So 
people will, oh will God, not God help listen. you. <laughs> God help everybody. <laughs> and delete your cache afterwards. All right. <laughs> now this one, uh, it's a live sketch and we have, which I think has been written by Santa because he loves his politics, especially I think he's quite Labour-centric. Um, the Labour Party advisors meeting about the tax reform debacle. A lot of this went over my head, but it had all the hallmarks of very early hollow men. Yeah, I, I was getting shades of, of that, yeah, the market research guy that he plays in the hollow man, yeah. Yeah. Especially, I, especially with that jumper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a, a grab for you. He said, and I quote, I promise you these tax cuts, it's a LAW law. Oh. What a dickhead for saying that. Yeah, but hang on. Yeah. Where did he say it? I mean, what, did he say it in public? Well, it was broadcast on ABC TV. Oh, well, then no one would have heard it. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, he was also addressing... He was, I know, it was a very good point, but... <laughs> <laughs> the only decent joke in that sketch, especially yeah. when Judith Judith does the kind of Steve Vizard kind of arm movement. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this, oh, it, this seems like more filler to me too. It's just like, yeah. what is it? Like two and a half, three minutes. It's like, what the hell is this sketch? It's just, it's yeah. nothing, nothing there. It's really there's a, kind, there's a kind of decent satirical point towards the end where they where they say well, what are we going to do to distract people oh we'll drag out the republican issue get them all talking about the flag right and the, so that, that's a kind of decent sort of 1993 satirical point but yeah it's not yeah. a great sketch by any means mm. Mm. but i i thought that the whole thing i wrote down adorable it's <laughs> 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 kind of like you know this thing where santo writes a sketch and then says okay we'll do this one live and then they start doing it and they go oh this is weak as water elements like cameraman to shut the door behind him and yeah. you know and and the whole thing is like they kind of don't really commit to the joke because they can see that it's kind of failing so they make it they send themselves up a little bit and i kind of love that and yeah this this sketch just seems to be a vehicle for rob to stay in the john Hewson makeup and uh, <laughs> uh they, 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 must, they must be tearing their hair out going how are we going to end this sketch how are we going to end this sketch and well they end the sketch the only way they know how we made a pledge to the australian public mm -hmm. yeah this is true right? we, made a, we, we made a pledge to the australian public okay they trusted us mm -hmm. and i think we have an obligation to honor their trust Okay, I think we have to pass on the tax cuts. Are you serious? No, I have my fingers crossed. <laughs> 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 oh, could you get that, mate? Could you get could you that? Get <laughs> Quite frankly, <laughs> I'd like to state that that is clearly champagne comedy. <laughs> there we go. They, 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 they go out on, on the, the undeserved applause. By <laughs> Guaranteed to save any bad sketch. Yeah. How yeah, often have yeah. they? How often have they done like blatantly political sketches like that? I mean, set in the Labor Party office. That's that's. I think that's quite rare for them, isn't it? Besides, like interviews, like with Kenneth and Keating and that kind of stuff. But like an actual sketch that's sort of set within it's it's quite political and uh, yeah the fact that you know they were all probably lefties and they're having a go at labor i mean that's to be applauded but it's like yeah they really don't do a lot of political based stuff like that well yeah, i'm not surprised because they did it heaps of times in the degeneration series so yes it's kind of like a harking back to that but it's interesting because i think this episode is where they really start to be far more like 
um, what was it, video hits on Channel 10. You know, it was just like punchy stuff all the time and parodies of this, parodies of that. So I actually kind of love seeing them go back to this kind of, you know, undergraduate sketch. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's that's another bloody word. Like uh, there's, there's cult classic and then there's undergraduate. (laughs) <laughs> it's now time for a pre-recorded sketch and that is the winching pom bar and bistro <laughs> oh i love this sketch it, it inspired me and my friends to uh fre- start to frequent the angel tavern pub in Malvern. um <laughs> uh, when, we, when we went there of course it was shit out <laughs> and there was nothing to do <laughs> Can I ask names, Prue, please? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay, damn it. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was – I loved it because there was a couple of these kind of UK-based pubs in Melbourne in the 90s, and we would sort of want to go to them. <laughs> and have it's kind of like what the walkabout was when you go to London, <laughs> to the Aussie-themed the, pubs. The worst pub in London, the Yeah, walkabout. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but did, did those pubs have this guy? Oh, shit, the jug's on that. <laughs> they, they had the Australian equivalent, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there was one th- cool thing which I did um, grab out of uh, the comment that Tony, like this has got Tony written all over it, by the way. Yeah. Because of yeah. all the, yeah. the references to Agreed. Jack from On the Buses or the bloke from Love <laughs> by Neighbour. So for this one grab. I love half. I love half. <laughs> That's all I could find. <laughs> Can I please pose a question without notice? Is on the buses, which does appear later on in this episode, is this the biggest cultural touchstone for the members of the D generation? What do they reference more than on the buses? No, I disagree. No, they reference it a lot. They're constantly referencing the um, US sort of sitcoms from the 70s. They love the shit out of that. Like they... Like what? Like those dukes. Yeah. Well, part, part of family, yeah, yeah. Um, because obviously Ruben UK. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But on the buses, on the buses gets so much repetition. It's just... It's Mainly just from Tony Martin. Them. Mainly Tony Martin. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, to we're about to that. see the muckrakers right. bring it up in a tick. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. yeah. And they still bloody bring it up. I reckon I saw an episode of Have You Been Paying Attention? coming. <laughs> Tony Martin brought it up then. It's just... <laughs> it's, it's just... Is that like their... I mean, what's our like our, our Seinfeld or our Simpsons or something? On the buses, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's the one? I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, the the line I love out of uh, out of the Winching Palm sketch uh, is uh, see Chaz and Dave as you've never seen them before. Entertaining people. <laughs> every time Plus I see dance. that phrase <laughs> every time I see that phrase as you've never seen them before, I have to jump and finish that sentence with entertaining people. <laughs> You, you've, you've got, you've got, I challenge the Prime Minister, I've got entertaining people. <laughs> I've always been fond of this sketch as well, but I wanted to find out what some actual British people think about this sketch. So I asked my Ooh. friends, Emma, Mike, Tim and Ben to watch it, and here's what they had to say. So I've asked you to watch the Whinging Pom Bar and Bistro sketch. And as a British person, what do you think of this sketch? Oh, it's really funny because it wasn't really funny. Um, and I was thinking, <laughs> thinking, am I just being like, oh, I don't like it because it's about me. 
<laughs> but it was more that I didn't think the jokes were that strong. There were a couple of times when I kind of nodded and went, yeah, that's quite funny. But not enough, I think, to really stand up. And I was I ended up kind of comparing it with the very famous goodness gracious me going for an English sketch. Oh, which yes. is just for me just so much funnier and so much better at capturing the real kind of stereotypes of English rather than the, the, the stereotypes of the English that aren't actually all that realistic. God damn it, guys. I mean, Bombay is the restaurant capital of the world, right? So how come every Friday night we end up in this dump? Because that's what you do, innit? You go out, you get tanked up on lussies and you go for an English. Welcome to the traditional English restaurant. My name is James. I shall be your waiter for this evening. <laughs> Can't understand a word you're saying. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. I thought it was in the tradition of certain sketches which you could pick apart and say, well, that, that's unfair, that's untrue, but... In, in a weird way, the unfairness and untrueness of it is what's funny. I could possibly take exception to the dig at Chaz and Dave and say Chaz and Dave are brilliant, but having a go at Chaz and Dave is in itself quite funny, I think so. I'm cool with it. I thought it wasn't particularly funny, but I had no issue with it in the way that I imagine some people might. I mean, the first thing to say is obviously I am from Liverpool and, you know, the way Liverpool has been parodied over the years, including by people like Carla Lane, who are ostensibly from Liverpool. You know, it's that, I find that inaccuracy, if it's not malicious, quite funny in a way. And at the time as well, you know, we've been doing pretty insulting, I say insulting things about Australians, all that ever happened on British TV with Australians, was somebody would come with a cork-rimmed hat and say, good day, cobbers. And that was it. And they were terrible, you know, adverts for Castlemaine 4X and Fosters and so on that, they were bordering on stereotypes that you can't really call them offensive, but they'd be frowned on now, I think is the best way of putting it. And it was having a decent go back. It helped very much that I came to it knowing Tony Martin and his obsession again with <laughs> like his Coronation Street voice that he does. It's always funny. Uh, and, and again, his obsession with things like on the buses. I'm yeah. assuming it's Tony who wrote it. What do you think inspired the sketch? Probably, is it Tony Martin growing up watching lots of sitcoms like Love Thy Neighbour and On the Buses and that sort of thing? From what I've gathered from uh, a couple of people I follow on Twitter who post old Australian TV schedules and also being friends with you and you know other Australian people, you got a lot of British TV, didn't you? The Whinging Palm would be the kind of people who were going on package tours to the Costa. The kind of people that duty free was about, but they were kind of really maybe um, going further afield. And there was that late eighties, early nineties obsession over here with all things Australian, largely down to neighbours. And there was some quite funny. It's not like it neighbours. <laughs> that was quite funny. I thought that was a good line. So I think it was probably a lot of people who thought all of neighbours was basic all, all of Australia was essentially like the Lassiter's complex <laughs> and yeah. wanted to go to Lassiter's <laughs> okay you've been to Australia how many times 
Five, I believe. Five times. And is it anything like Neighbours? It is exactly like Neighbours in every respect. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is genuinely the one line which rings the truest. I've not been to Australia, but I do know a few people, and it's not nothing like Neighbours is ridiculously spot on as a phrase. Which part of Britain would I need to go to if I wanted to eat boiled lard? <laughs> uh, 1973, I think. <laughs> Isn't boiled lard just hot fat? I mean, it would... <laughs> what did you think of the accents in this sketch? I thought they were more sending up, you know, that generic kind of exaggerated, well, general British way of speaking rather than anything in particular. It's a bit like when Americans try and do Yorkshire accents and it's just very weird. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. But if you're doing an over-the-top parody of a parody of a parody of a northern accent, it kind of works. There's a range here. Uh, Rob's is definitely the most... uh, (laughs) Definitely the most engaging, shall we say. Uh, With, with, with obviously, his phrase, check the jugs on that. (laughs) And he's he's more romper-stomper kind of skinhead than he's got the end. (laughs) Oh dear! I love now, it. what I really what do, do you think of what do you think of the northern accents? Because you you know, being from Yorkshire, you're you're an expert on this. But what are, are they? Oh, yeah. You said they were Manchester accents. Uh, yeah, well, that's just it. I think that's the thing with being northern is everyone thinks it's someone else you're taking the piss out of, basically. So I hear it was Yorkshire person. I really got those Mancunians proper, you know, and probably there they're thinking the same about us. So. It works, oddly, you know, as being sort of nondescript. Now, what do you think the British equivalent of this sketch is? Uh, I mean, when Neighbours first broke, especially over here, there were a lot of uh, parodies of that. Oh, hi, Bradley. I just looked in to see if I couldn't have a borrow of your garden sprinkly. Oh, sure, mate. Help yourself. It's over there in the coolie. Thanks, mate. (laughs) By the way, how are Javelina and Trevlin these days? (laughs) Jeans, mate, don't reopen old wounds. Was I doing that, Craig? Was I reopening old wounds, old souls? Certainly were. Listen, Shane, a word to the wise. If you want to re-establish your relationship with those two, you've got to stop running away from yourself. (laughs) I don't know, all I can remember is Frank Skinner's old joke about he, he, he heard about the Australian Parliament and the, his line was that... I don't know about you, but I, I, whenever I picture the Australian Parliament, I imagine at least two thirds of them are in beach shorts, <laughs> and I think that that's basically. Again, British people know that's not true, but it's funny because it it has a kernel of truth to it. I think. Well, there's a whole of... whole episode of The Simpsons with that basic premise, isn't there? Hey, Mr. Prime Minister. Andy! Aye, mate. What's a good word? I think making fun of the way that you view people is quite quite interesting because you, the joke is more on you. I wonder if that was the joke that we drink on, that it was more there kind of taking the piss out of the way that they view the British as well as taking the piss out of the British themselves. I mean, this sketch reminded me the most of the bits in Frasier where Daphne goes to the English pub she frequents. And it's the bloke who was Nasir off Robin the Share will say, Cool, blimey, we'll play Shove Aitney before Fraser comes in and interrupts us. And, you know, it's it's just like that, really. It's. <laughs> 
Londoner, you might be able to help us out with something on, on our podcast. One of my fellow podcasters, Daniel, he likes to impersonate Linda Robson and Pauline Quirk, <laughs> calling oh, their neighbour Dorian in Birds of a Feather a dirty cow. Dirty cow! <laughs> exactly, right? And being an Australian man, he's maybe not so great at saying dirty cow in a London accent, right? <laughs> So what what would you say to to someone starting out saying dirty cow in a London accent? What 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 are your top tips for this? I mean if you really I mean to be honest, now and pedantic. Pedantry. Linda Robson and oh, um, Pauline Quirk are not doing this in a London accent, they're doing it in an Essex accent. And there aren't re- there's not really that much difference, but there is a real genuine so if, if you're from South London you're going to be a bit more nasal. Your your London accent tends to come through the nose and it's a bit nasal, so you're a dirty cat. Like <laughs> if yep. you're from North London, your accent comes from the chest. North. And you speak like that. And the, the genuine difference between North and South London, and people who listen can hear it and people who can't hear it think I'm mental. <laughs> um, but how you would say it where I grew up, first of all, dirty. So the T is almost not there at all. Dirty. 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 So almost like you say dirty. <laughs> right, okay. Dirty. Dirty. And then care. So you don't care. Your vowels get really long. <laughs> dirty care. <laughs> and, and again, the W is more like an H. So, okay. And the Essex accent, how, how is that different to North London? Um, well, it's like an extension of North London. So... Um, it's maybe a little bit more um so women in particular from Essex might have a little bit more high pitch than than women in London um anyone who's watched the recent uh wonderful uh, and very realistic documentary Married at First Sight UK uh would have been aware of <laughs> Megan who had the classic Essex ah! <laughs> and dolphin. Uh, where she would laugh through her nose but talk through her chest um, but combined, she sort of combined the north and the south. Okay, so in in conclusion, and I, I'm going to try this out here. <laughs> Don't you care? Is that right? That's good. Is that all right? Yeah, that's a proper Hackney dirty cat. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Yay! Well done, Alison. Oh. So, were, were you actually at the pub when you asked them these questions? Uh, I we were we were on on video calls as we are now. So, anyway, I hope this is helpful to you, Daniel, and you, you can yeah. do, dirty care it right up. That was amazing. Like, I found that one of the things that they didn't understand about that sketch was. Not so much the tourist, but the ten pound pom immigre. You know, that's what it's about. It's about yeah. people who came over here for a friggin' song. Like, what was ten pound? It was nothing. They came over here for a new life, and then you know, it's forty two degrees. <laughs> <laughs> the handkerchief on the head. That's the giveaway. That's the giveaway. Yeah. All right, go, Daniel. How, how do you do it? Go uh, on. No, so yeah, so more more nasal, drop the T and yeah. Basically Dorian's a bit of a dead cat. That's pretty good. Yeah, well done. Cat cat. 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 There's an H in there somewhere too. 
I sound like bloody alarm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for your investigative work, Alison. Yeah, thank you for that's all right. That. You did ask them to uh, critique the whinging pom and not actually be whinging poms, but <laughs> <laughs> it went full circle though. Yeah. Yes. I, I thought they were I thought they were very decent about the whole thing and they're still friends with me, which is great. So thank you once again to to Emma, Mike, Tim and Ben. Yeah, well done. Thank you. This sketch is on YouTube and I think everyone should go and check out the comments on this sketch because it gets very bizarre very, very quickly, like most YouTube comments, to be honest. But it starts off sort of like, oh, yeah, haha, I know, I know poms like this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it starts talking about Aussies who are backpacking to London and taking jobs you know, like bartending jobs. So then it's about capitalism and then it's about colonialism. And then it somehow ends up talking about the suicide rates of the different countries. It's just (laughs) what is going on? It's No, I'm dead serious. Go and check it out on on YouTube. It's hilarious. Well, it's pretty sad actually, but like most YouTube comments, but it's well worth checking out. After the Winching Pom Bar and Bistro, we've got muck raking and it's been a while since we had Mick and Jace together and straight up, what do they do? (laughs) We just wanted to do that. They had to get it out of their system yeah. because there weren't enough references in the episode. And then, and then Mick issues a challenge that uh, if the other people uh, do a good Blakey, he'll come on next week and sing The Rose by Beth Midler. <laughs> I don't know what his obsession with that song is. I'm pretty sure he got to actually sing that song when he was on Martin Malloy. I think he did. <laughs> Somebody uh, post that, please. Oh, that rings like, a bell. Like, so- like it's 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 lodged somewhere in the in the back of my mind or on one of the cassettes that I haven't listened to in decades. D- does that mean that the, all of the cast of the Late Show had finally done their Blakeys? Because in in this episode, only Tony does a Blakey. Or Jason yeah. from me. Jason did one to fill in time in season one towards the end. You know, during the credit roll when they usually go, "Oh, best album covers," and they go, "Oh, Jace does uh, oh, a good Blakey." Right. So that was the yeah. first time, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, you'll notice that uh, Mick wasn't on uh, singing duties uh, in the next episode. Mm. Mm. There you go. All right, but they do talk about um, TV Week and, you know, all the lovey-dovey covers, which oh, damn, I don't have the image, but I've I found the actual cover, which I'll tweet out later on. Hey, hey Dad's oh. Rachel and Ben reveal our special love. And so, yeah, Mick and Jace do their own version of special love because they feature on a (laughs) future issue of TV Week. But I just want to point out the little headlines which were part of their mock cover, which had Daryl Summers, I really can't play the drums. (laughs) (laughs) So he he probably saw that. That's why he made that little dig at Rob without the the five minutes worth of uh, content on the Late Show video. (laughs) Ian Hewitson eats producer. (laughs) Tommy G talks about the piffy years. (laughs) And win a trip to visit the set of Family Feud and speak to the bloke who gets to survey all those people. (laughs) Mick does read a quote. Initially, the strength of our relationship raised a few eyebrows within the group, but now everyone seems to understand. In fact, Tommy and Rob have been quite supportive. Although Tony's a bit jealous, I suppose it's all that time we spend doing the intro, but he's learning to deal with it now. In fact, I think he's trying to crack onto Santo. No, that's 
that's pretty much as we told you. Yeah, uh, love is beautiful, Ed Smith. <laughs> <laughs> it does lead into a montage of, to the song Wind Beneath My Wing. Yeah, yeah isn't this really some feels montage? like more filler. It feels like so much so much more filler. It's like muckraking. Can you throw something together for like four minutes? It's like far out. It's really thin what they're doing. Although Alf again, Alf Camilleri producing all the TV the props, week stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, impressive, but far out. There's not much there. And that, and that montage is slowed down, which means it takes up uh, double the time. <laughs> 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 there's, there's, some, there's, there's a little bit of actual footage, like you see uh, one of them, you know, uh, smashing the, the uh, table over Dr. Aaron Bocare's head, which we've seen before. Uh, there's some uh, bits which, we've, which have been specially filmed for the piece, like... Mick warming his hands over Jason's ass while he's kicking his legs up in some sort of a bicycle position. <laughs> and then even more bizarre footage, which is of Mick and Jace on... It's it's on the season one set with sheep walking through, which we never actually saw in the series, but must have been taped for something. And they like they must have gone. We'll drag it out for this bit of filler. It's so bizarre! It's just it had been just sitting there for an entire year. Yeah, I wonder what it must have originally been for. The mind boggles. Hey, old mates back. Charlie, we love you. Charlie, the wonder dog, and it is love thy neighbour continued, and the story so far, which they do a quick little montage. I'm sorry, bad old Mrs. O'Grady, but if the payment isn't made by Monday, we are repossessing the farm. What's all this about? The bank's taking bad old Mrs. O'Grady's farm back, <laughs> and she's going to leave forever. Yay! That sums it up. I, I love, love the, the hard, the hard cuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for for mine, it's the fact that they always call her bad old Mrs. O'Grady. Yeah, it's such a mouthful. Yeah. Oh, until the turning point, then there's a turning point, and then, she, then she's nice, Mrs. Old Grady, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but this is pretty much that they're trying to do their thing. They don't like her, and then it turns out that she owes money, and the bank wants to decides to sell the land, and they end up doing a bit of a fundraiser, all thanks to Charlie. Charlie the star. Yeah, they're gonna right. they're gonna sell Mrs. O bad old Mrs. O'Grady's farm to the golf course developer, and they don't want to do that, so they raise the money, and then the bank manager, who's wearing a very very tiny hat, tries to steal <laughs> all the all the money that they've raised. But but Charlie gets the money back from the bank manager, and and Mrs. O'Grady's farm is saved, hooray! And then the final shot, of course, Charlie wearing. A bigger hat. Oh, Charlie. he's the bank manager now. <laughs> he's trying to cheer us up with one of his elaborate tricks. <laughs> <laughs> he's just sitting there. And the classic something unforeseen. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> it's something unforeseen. Yeah, along right. with that, that, that classic da da da. Yeah. Flimsy anecdotal connection to this episode number three. Yeah. Um, yes. I just, I just want to talk about uh, Bud. Uh, for those sort of un- unenlightened few who don't know anything about the Pazura Project, it, it started as a community TV show back in 2006, 2008, which was essentially a film geek show with jokes, essentially. And we opened every show with a, uh, a, a pastiche of a film. And one episode we did in 2008 
we did Plan 9 from Outer Space, the famously bad uh, science fiction film. And Plan 9 opens with an introduction from Criswell, who was a, a popular uh, television psychic of the time sort of thing. And, and Criswell and Tingwell was just too perfect not to do. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. Of our lives. <laughs> and remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are what? interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence, all the evidence. based only on the secret testimony of the miserable, of the miserable souls. souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about... Grave robbers from outer space. <laughs> That's a setup to uh, Plan Nine from outer space. So yeah, I thought Criswell and Tingwell. That was that was too good to not uh, to pass up. So we tracked Bud down, and he somehow said yes. And truly, s- seeing Bud say those lines, just and remember, my friends, future events such as these will affect you in the future. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future. (laughs) That is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friends, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimonies of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places, my friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about the Bazura Project from outer space? Fuck that good. Oh, oh, seriously. Well Let done. Us the guilty. Well done. Yeah. Let us reward the innocent. Yeah, that is, I mean, we did some crazy dumb shit in our openings, but that that's my favorite opening we ever did. And it's and watching that wow. makes me so happy. It's just, and we interviewed him as well. And he was just, he's, he was awesome. He's awesome to see perform just doing like even something so dumb like that. It was an awesome <laughs> to chat to. It was, it was, it was fantastic. I, yeah, I can't say enough about the guy. He was just so good. Credit to you, wow. man. Credit to you. Oh, no, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a massive thrill. It was a massive thrill. (laughs)
Now we have Street Talk and we have Mick and Tony hitting the streets to find the new Liberal Party leader. Was it this part of the, the more bits on DVD? Yes, yeah. I reckon it was. No, I reckon because uh, I did some more homework on the uh, on the last week to try and find a lot of this. Yes, I think it is more bits. Some more bits or best or yeah. yeah. What's the other extra bits or something? Yeah, extra yeah. something like that. Yeah, because yeah. especially of the. Eeyore, Eeyore. <laughs> Oh, there's a few people in this episode who think they're really funny. Yeah, there's like three. There's three people who think, oh yeah, I can go toe to toe with Tony and Mick. It's like uh, there's the ice cream girl and there's the fireman and then there's Alan. It's just yeah, Mick Mick shuts them down pretty quick. Yeah, people want to think they're pretty funny, and it's not 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 going to happen here, buddy. It's almost. Um, street talk in Melbourne, jump the shark or something. It's like they're too. Oh, nice. maybe. And <laughs> kind of like Chaser style, yeah. where they became too aware of it, everything. So, yeah. uh, but I will play this one. Would you be a sort of a ruthless, iron-fisted leader? <laughs> yes, you would. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Yes, yes. You're not Senator Bronwyn Bishop, are you? Why? What's wrong with Ron- Bronwyn Bishop? <laughs> Nothing. She's an absolute hornbag. <laughs> to be joking. <laughs> 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 what reaction was priceless? Yeah, I think that was so funny. I I know, as Prue said, it kind of jumped, jumped the shark a little bit, but when I realised this actually existed because I almost forgot about it, I actually found some bits really laugh out loud funny. I know there are some really dull bits, but the Eeyore, Eeyore, like that's something I used to do when I used, Eeyore, to, Eeyore. When I used to like record people <laughs> with my video camera and they said something stupid. I would just repeat that quote over and over again to make it sound really ridiculous. So I quite enjoyed that because um, I related to it as a immature 16-year-old at the time. Um, but <laughs> it's not one of their best, but it does have its moments. But they did wrap it up beautifully with the Benny Hill gag. Well, yeah. yes, fl- flimsy anecdotal connection to this episode number four. Oh, uh, best Bits DVD commentary. Tony mentions how to properly do a Benny Hill chase sequence. You have to wave your arms around a lot. And I can confirm this to be true because on the Brazil Project's ABC show... We did a Benny Hill chase. And the winner is... Quaint repressed Western attitudes. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> I, can, I can also confirm that you sort of have to do it in slow motion, sort of at half speed, because then all your movements look really exaggerated when it's sped up and it looks, it looks a lot funnier. But I can also confirm that it's as... Completely exploitative and fun as it looks. <laughs> it's really, really silly. Yes. Well done, man. That, that that looked like it was a lot of fun to film. Oh, that was a, that was a, yeah. Like Tony says, it was a highlight for him to do a Benny Hill chase. Yes, absolutely, I agree. It's just it's absolutely fucking ridiculous, but it's very fun. <laughs> it's letter time, and they just respond to a bunch of letters that have been written in. Some fake, some. Well, I think one was real, which was uh, from Paul Henderson from Wynnum Heights saying that the worst job in Australia was the Paradise Beach Dialogue Coach. True. And the bloke freely admits it. John Domit freely admits it. And that's another uh, strike for the Bill Kelty hairdresser joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
just uh, just just quickly speaking of Paradise Beach, it's about to get shifted from 5:30 p.m. to 5 p.m. Um, sort of around late July, early August '93, to be replaced by about five weeks of Grand Canyon Pioneers home video show. Oh wow! What a shaft! Wow! Mm. Yeah, that's harsh. This is also the episode where uh, who is it? We can thank Michelle Markin from Goldman setting in the cover of Mister Mister, where it reveals that. Mr. Mr. look like uh, Rob Sitch. Yeah, so yeah this they... starts off a whole segment, mm. an ongoing segment of late show mm. lookalikes, which are to come in in future weeks. I was just going to say, so when they said Michelle Markin, because uh, someone on Twitter back in 2014 tweeted the at TLS Champagne, and her name was Michelle Mackey one, and she said she was the one mm. who sent in the Mr. Mr. album cover to the Oh, late show. oh wow. Ah. Ah. Thank you, Michelle. All right. Yeah, she sent in her very own vinyl copy of Welcome to the Real World featuring the hits Broken Wings and Kyrie. Fantastic. Yeah, and, and, and who actually made those marks with the arrows? <laughs> yeah, so Rob reads out a letter uh, from a kid, uh, Luke Barber, asking what computer they write on. And so they realise that, yeah, that's what this whole late show fan mail is about. So they go over there and destroy his computer. Yeah, he upgraded from a 286 to a 386. So, oh, I haven't heard those. I haven't heard those terms in a long time. The three eighty six. MS DOS. I had a four eight six DX four one hundred. Wow! Yep. Advanced. Yeah, mm, absolutely. With... Not not one of those you know sleek white tang WX whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And then the one with seven count of seven digits, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's not it's it's not a good episode for CRT computer monitors, is it? Because we've had two destroyed so far in this episode. Now we've got Judith, uh, who is reading out S. Briggs' letter and talking about why their grandparents' house smells. It's the smell of chops, mothballs, and that imminent smell of death. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when it leads into a sketch with Jane and Tom, and with Rob. Santo and Judith just illustrating the points for it where this is how you know that you're old when you start and this is where Santo shines because he is the oldest of the team (laughs) and yeah they explain as you get older things come into perspective jeez it's bucketing down out there oh it's absolutely pouring still it's good for the garden It's a very Tommy G sketch, isn't it? It's a very dinner party sketch, and it's just well, yeah, it's the same the type other, of thing. The other clue it's a Tommy G sketch is the endless digs at Adelaide, of course, my hometown, <laughs> Daniel's, <laughs> Daniel's yeah. place of residence. Current town, yes. You, you, yes. you escaped, Alison. I did escape, and wasn't it worthwhile? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why there's a disproportionate amount of Adelaide people on this podcast. <laughs> what else could you do? We, we want to get revenge. Time. We want to get revenge on the Adelaide jokes. That's that's why we're here. Two weeks on Great Keppel Island. Oh, Club Med in Bali. Wow, oh, Adelaide, the city of churches. <laughs> <laughs> Double take, so amazing. I love it how he did it about three or four times, but the wrong camera was on him. We, yes. we, we missed some goal. <laughs> Just keep going. Adelaide's great, though. You know, you can go to the wineries, there's opals, you know, how, all these great things you can do. <laughs> I'm not selling it, am I? <laughs> I like wineries. Oh, well. And there was also choosing a new car and Santa. I was going, hey, Mazda's are good. Um, there was also, uh, that's when they lead into the whole 
room that was the, the, the good room or the lounge room and they just go through a display thing. I, I thought it was just pretty straightforward sketch. It wasn't that big laughs or anything. Like a dinner party sketch, I think they should have made it go longer. They should have made it its own thing rather than sort of lead on from the, the fan mail. It's just, why didn't you write a proper sketch with people sitting in a lounge room, a mock lounge room? It's weird. It's like, shit, we're struggling for time. I really think it feels like more filler to me. It's just like far out. We've got to fill an hour. Yeah. And of course, it's it's most punchiest punchline was big undies. I mean, it's not exactly yeah. groundbreaking. <laughs> yeah, it's time for toilet break. Act three, Christopher Lopes. He tried so much. Oh man! If I hadn't have watched this tonight. I would. It would never have re-entered my brain, right? It's just something <laughs> we forget about. But then it's like it isn't. It shouldn't be that unforgettable because it's excruciating. This poor kid. Oh. I mean, for once, Bernard is a hundred percent spot on. This song is completely wrong for this little man. He obviously has a bit of talent. He loves finding the camera. He's got these real. What the moves going? <laughs> and then he just demolishes this song. It's terrible. Well, here's Bernard's response. I would suspect that you actually didn't rehearse this music. <laughs> yes, I have this kid's about to cry, you seriously. Have, you forgot everything you were told the moment you stepped on that stage. <laughs> to me, the key was far too low for you. Surely your register is more comfortable a couple of notes up, isn't it? Uh, yes. Now, teacher didn't set that key, surely. Uh... She said it would be a good number for me to sing. No, it's not. Yes? It's um, an awful number for a child to sing, but go on. Yeah. I totally disagree with your teacher. And if you, if you genuinely rehearsed this number with your teacher in that key, I would not only join a choir, but I'd change teachers immediately. You didn't do very well today, young man. Fifteen. Oh. 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 Do you know what? When, when you're judging children in talent competitions, that's not really how you should do it. You should be a bit kinder. I, I think he was very, very harsh on, on this kid. He I wasn't don't think, that bad. I don't think Bernard could have gone there. You could have smiled more, Root. No, I mean... I hardly agree with that. Yeah, a song about, about yeah, missing somebody in a relationship is entirely inappropriate. I'm, I'm reminded of that, that bit by Billy Connolly uh, upon seeing Young Talent Time. You know, talking about the, the inappropriateness of uh, little kids singing, I'm going to love you all night long. <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also reminded of, there was also in the early 80s, there was a thing in the UK called the Mini Pops, which was a similar sort of thing, which was little kids singing uh, like uh, songs performed by adults with absolutely no sort of sanitization. Like, um, there's also a similar sort of thing in the US nowadays called Kids Bop, but at least they sanitize the pop uh, the kids yeah. sing within that. In that instance, but yeah, seeing missing you ooh, when you're uh, somewhere between twelve and thirteen. I think it's quite endemic of potluck, isn't it? That they have uh, every time they get like a really young kid on, they're always singing something inappropriate. <laughs> I think. Oh, definitely. Speaking yeah. of inappropriateness, <laughs> what's the scores so far? Yeah, what are the scores? Oh. Yeah, okay. So out of the seven acts we've seen that Bernard has given points to. 
uh, Christopher Lopez is either equal fifth best or equal second worst, depending on how you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't think uh, we've actually determined the, the scale whether <laughs> best or worst means the opposite of what we wanted to be. <laughs> So, um, yeah, at number seven on 10 points, we've got Krista Krull, who absolutely murdered You Keep Me Hanging On. Uh, equal fifth, we've got uh, Christopher Lopez and uh, also David Ty, who sang uh, John Farnham's Pressure Down. In fourth place, the Nelligan Sisters, who uh, sang uh, Madonna's True Blue. Uh, at third on 20 points, the Spangled Singing Venus, another inappropriate for kids' song. Yes, yes. Uh, on second place with 34 points, Alan Brenda uh, with the cabaret stylings uh, singing Rock By Your Baby with the Dixie Melody. And at first place on 40 points, Piffy on the Bells. Yay, doing Piffy. Yay. All right. It's time for Graham and the Colonel. <laughs> no spoilers. Yes. You are the offspring. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Is that Little... Lieutenant. The lieutenant. <laughs> yeah, the little, 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 little lieutenant's all grown up. Mate, that's an impressive setup you have. Oh, God, now you're looking Richie Benno, like even more Richie Benno than <laughs> Graham the Colonel. <laughs> where's my book? Yes. <laughs> yeah, where's your world book encyclopedia? Oh, yes, the Graham and the Colonel world book encyclopedia. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Don't forget to fall off the chair. That one that is no doubt contained mm. in Graham and the Colonel's World Book Encyclopedia. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, come on, Colonel. Mm. And that's the biggest laugh in the segment, folks. It's a flat Graham and the Colonel, even by Graham and the Colonel standards. Santa really hurt himself, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's good recovery, like though. a trooper, though. Yeah. Yeah. Rob's face stays very still. It's almost like, <laughs> is it is it fine? <laughs> As you're saying, yeah, it is a flat Graham and the Colonel because uh, they had the Maroney family swimming the English Channel, then they went into the cone of silence, a la Get Smart. So I'm guessing when they did a press report or whatever, they're saying it's a, there's a secret in their training or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Greg Norman in the British Open and his fashion sense, especially when the lady yells out to him, Oh, Mr. Hart! <laughs> That's got to be up there with on the buses. Yeah, <laughs> that and the little the little fat kid from Hey Dad. I think they're the three, the three big ones. Yeah, so it wasn't really a strong one. I don't know what else to yeah. point out with this one. Well, like the Michelle Grattan stuff, you know, oh, the Michelle right. Grattan's no. um contact oh, lenses. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> with the marbles. Bad taste. Yeah. But I did like the um the the comments around the cone of silence, which was so that's an interesting fact that <laughs> the audience may discover on the way home, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then Santo goes, I think some of them are already on their way home. <laughs> 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 but other than that, I really don't have much to report on Graham and the Colonel other than jokes that really fell flat. Yeah, they they knew it. So after Graham and the Colonel, we have the closing time period thing. <laughs> and Tony talks uh, about how the flat jokes were flat in regards to Graham and the Colonel. So it's not just us critiquing. They admit that it was pretty bad. And they blame Tommy G on it because, you know, he was the one that um, might have been his fault because he was doing all the warm-ups. Again, this is like a lot like the opening sort of segment. This is a lot of work. I mean, Tommy G had to go to two different studios to do this bit and that, that's yeah it's a lot of work for something that's like what 
90 seconds long. <laughs> it's like really short. What are you doing? Yeah, God, stretch it out if you're going to go all that way. But I'm thinking about this, isn't this um, a really rare example of a show that crosses over and goes into these different networks? Like, does that yes, even happen today? Like, it, they really had a sort of an in everywhere. Yeah, no, um, good point. Yeah. Well, the clip of when Tommy G is wearing his gold jacket and goes to Sale of the Century is on the best bits. So that's part of the mm. uh, compilation. And, and really that's, that's the only sort of highlight. So seeing, uh, seeing Tommy go off, there's a few beeps that are sort of put over what seems to be fairly interesting when you think about it. And, yeah, just seeing that concerned look on Pete Smith's face as they pan across back to the audience. Yeah. And it just <laughs> makes it. The one, the, the, the death stare that Pete Smith gives prior to that is hilarious as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pete Smith always knows where the camera is. <laughs> always. <laughs> and there's also the one where Tony Barber was hosting Jeopardy and Tommy just has a go at Tony for his joke. So, yeah. Another show that's not long for this uh, world either. That's, that's, that's only got roughly another month or so left and then it gets replaced by Simpsons repeats. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Harsh. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, we have the musical finale and Mick does phone it in. Sorry about this. Hello? Mickey, where, aren't you supposed to be here? At the pub. <laughs> right, you couldn't wait. Yeah, what, you, do I have to? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll get you, but look, sorry. <laughs> Insane. Now, yeah. Mick doesn't appear on screen since, like, Muckrakers, which is in, like, the middle of the episode. So, yeah, Mick has genuinely left and gone somewhere. Yeah. I, re- I reckon so. Yeah, so the whinging pom. That's <laughs> very, very possible. Where, where else? Yeah, yeah so after yeah. Muckraking, gone, gone after Charlie, or at the beginning of Charlie the Wonder Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's very strange. Could have had a family wedding. Who knows? Mm, (laughs) At half past ten at night? (laughs) Mick did get, well, he was meant to get R.E.M., but he ends up getting Norman Yem singing Losing My Religion. That's me in the corner. (laughs) That's me in the spot. I think they probably could have given some context to who Norman Yem yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. 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 Like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe old, like no hope of knowing who this guy was. Yeah. yeah. Maybe sort of you know. Yeah. Ten, fifteen years earlier, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But well, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Christ. The demographic yeah. was. But actually, yeah. when I look him up today, he's quite a fascinating character. Like he was Ooh. in the theatre. He was in the opera. But he was also a sportsman. Like he ran the stall oh. gift and oh Jesus! Wow! Wow! Because he was probably well known to that older DGen audience that kind of watched the Sullivans and yeah, it was just us in high school that had no effing uh, idea. <laughs> well, I was going to say it, it tends to be a lot of that those actors and um, talent are from Division Four, Homicide, Number Ninety Six, yeah. Sullivans, A Country Practice, like early days of it all so if you're not sure i'm sure they've appeared in one of those shows in the crawford production <laughs> now also on the the dvd commentary they mentioned that norman wanted to sing his own song they don't they, they didn't say specifically 
what the song was except that it was by Madonna and that it was something about playgrounds, which makes me think it might have been uh, the song from A League of Their Own yeah. this used to be my playground. Uh. Is like, uh, you think you sung by a little kid was inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would Bernard yes. King say? I'd forgotten about that commentary yeah. bit. But um, it's kind of interesting now because I think Norman Yem doesn't nail this song particularly well. And for a professional singer, that actually would be pretty damaging to his brand. So mm. if I was his manager, I would say, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> would he have a manager at this stage of his career? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he had one. Uh. It's a good thing that the audience started clapping along to the song halfway through to sort of like they were cheering him on almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so after the musical finale, we got the credits. Was there any Easter eggs, Daniel? Um, nothing particularly special. Um, the special guests were all credited, Tony Barber, Gabriel Gatte, Charles Bud Tingwell, but in uh, quotation marks instead of brackets, as all good pedants know. Yep. Uh, and Norman Yem, uh, as well as Bev Dunn, the Piss Week Kids, Arthur Spanos, Isadora Van Camp, James Wright and Denise Foster. But not Tony Llewellyn Jones from GP, which is interesting. He's not credited at all. I suppose he's in the opening titles of GP, but... Uh, there, well, there, there is a, a general thanks to GP, um, okay. along with uh, Bruce Best, Michael White and Eden on the Park. Oh. Interesting. Very good. Daggy, crappy hotel, actually, near Albert Park Lake. Mm. I'd stay there. <laughs> Three stars. <laughs> now, a flimsy anecdotal connection to this episode number five. We're up to... Oh, lovely. The, Bring it on home, Shannon. The <laughs> third assistant director on this episode was uh, someone called Shelley Austin. Now, she was the production manager on the Bazaar Project's ABC show. Shelley Austin worked on Mad as Hell. She worked on Lano and Woodley. Uh, I'm not sure if she's still at the ABC, but anyway, there's a very, as I said, flimsy anecdotal connection to this episode. Excellent. Now, the flimsy, the better. We like that. <laughs> okay. We've got one more flimsy to go. And so, and yeah, the audience solicit where they were obviously trying to get the audience tickets going and that was Graham and the Colonel going under the cone of silence, just simply holding up a cue card. But yeah, that was pretty much it. But that is the end of that episode, really. Except for the final flimsy anecdotal connection to this episode number six in 1990, it's either 95 or 96, I was at, for some godforsaken reason, a very large very fancy VRC dinner, like Victorian racing club dinner. Okay. And there were like, it was like a fancy ballroom layout, like a year 12 form where you had tables of 10 or whatever. And Rob and Jane were there on a different table, obviously. Yeah. Um, but on every table, they had helium balloons. Now, can everyone see where I'm going with this? So my brother... <laughs> My brother and I went over to Robin Jane's table with helium balloons and we inhaled the gas. And what did we say? Are you sure you filled it with the right gas, Mick? Correct. (laughs) (laughs) So Jane laughed and I remember Rob looking very confused about what the hell are these guys doing? But later he delivered a note to my table, which I still have. And this is this here so obviously wow. it was at the hilton i don't i guess okay but it says 
for those playing at home, Shannon, I had a dog called Shannon. Just thought you should know Mike Moore. Oh, Mike Moore. This was, this was like, um, yeah, a frontline era. So was it? Yeah, 95, 96. So it was between, wow. what's that, like season two, three, I guess, of frontline. Yes. Wow. So there we go. That's cool. Mike Moore's autograph. Who has got Mike yes, Moore? Yes, and I do have a picture of myself and Jane and Rob from this dinner, but I'm moving house at the moment and I, I've got everything's in fucking boxes, so I don't know where it is. But anyway, <laughs> maybe I'll find it and eventually and I'll post it. So, But yes, there we go. There's cool. all my anecdote connections to this episode. Oh, thank you so much for that, Shannon. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, well, that actually wraps up uh, Season 2, Episode 8 of The Late Show and also Episode 28 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast. Oh, this has been a big one. So uh, <laughs> don't forget to enter our competitions as well as uh, reach out to us for feedback or whatever. We'll tend to ignore it if it's negative. But <laughs> yeah, email champagnelateshow at gmail, uh, Twitter at TLSchampagne, champagnecomedy.com, Facebook, The Late Show page, and also search for the Champagne Comedy Podcast group on Facebook, answer the three questions and you're in. And now also don't forget to download what podcast should they also get to out there, Shannon? Hint, hint. Oh, I, I forget. <laughs> it's, been, it's been so long. Uh, uh, yes, uh, the Bazaar Project's Radio Free Cinema. Yes, there's, uh, there's plenty of... Uh, alleged joy to be had (laughs) (laughs) honestly thank you so much uh for providing a lot of stuff to this and it was great to share those stories uh, that you have shared so and looking forward to i I don't i don't think we've we've had a guest come in with so many uh clips yeah yeah you mean so much bullshit So it's much needless bullshit. drivel. Okay. Cool. That's what Thank we're you. here to be. It's yes. all needless, needless drivel. Hey. Thank you for tolerating me. No, thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Alison, Daniel, Kim and Prue for coming back on. So, hooray. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Matt. Thanks for listening. Yay. Listen to our other podcasts, episodes and stuff. So this is the Champagne Comedy Podcast. Have a great time. Enjoy if you're not in lockdown or whatever, your freedom. This is a the episode. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com, produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.